We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. The Hey, we're Steve edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Dusty Evely. Uh, with me is not Steve, if you're not been able to guess, but Sarah Keller here. Is Sarah? How are you? I just butchered your name, but I'm powering through. Um, how are you? And more importantly. How excited were you by the new Spider-Verse trailer that dropped yesterday? Oh, well, first, I'm doing well. Um, I'm not sure I've ever heard my name mispronounced that way. So thanks for, <laughs> you know, adding some excitement to my You're life welcome. and keeping me on my toes. Um, but no, you know, good goodbye week. It didn't do much. Lot, lot, but we're just bad at talking today, we're apparently. Real, real strong. Watched a lot of soccer in the World Cup, which has been entertaining. Uh, the games have been, you know, the matches have been pretty crazy and um yeah spider-verse trailer was absolutely awesome chills goosebumps on my arms i just <laughs> love the music and the transitions and the animation style so really excited for next year um and looking forward to that in summer of 2023 what about you how are you doing yeah dude doing good and said it's been been nice and relaxing no packers game this past week which means i've just kind of taking the week off from writing about stuff i've got something that might be coming out later this week but who knows probably not i've got it kind of lined up but i still have to sit down and write and you know it's a it's a bye week for me as well and so uh maybe i'll get around to writing it maybe i will not but overall 
doing well. Excited about Spider Verse. Uh, so it was awesome. It was, I did not know that was hitting yesterday. So it was, that was a fun little surprise. Um, all right, let's get right into it. Like we said, we, listen, there was a bye week. Packers did not have a game, so we do not have any thoughts about the previous week. Just I, I feel relaxed. Um, from from this previous week and not stressed and that's my feelings from this past weekend uh so we'll get into we're gonna hit some news and notes here before we get into our regular stuff uh so before we get to the big news no we'll start with the big news start with the big news Romeo Dobbs expected to play this was always Ooh. kind of the thought he practiced he I know he was a limited participant in practice leading into uh the last game the Eagles game and then he'd obviously did not dress so the thought was with the bye week the timeline was lining up. It was looking good, but I know I was still a little on edge there, but it was, uh, I know I saw it from Schneidman uh, yesterday, Romeo Dobbs expected to play against the Rams on Monday night. We've got a question about it later, but Sarah, how hyped are you about this? This is awesome. I mean, I'm trying to be optimistic and I know there's only like an 11% chance that the Packers make the playoffs and good things happen. But if we want that dream, to come true, if we're going to manifest it and will it into fruition, then I'm all for this. And I think this is also just looking to the years ahead, um, a great opportunity for Dobbs to continue to establish himself as one of the key players on this team. We've seen it with Watson. Um, I mean, if you went back five weeks ago, people were questioning Christian Watson and what he's able to do. And now he's been able to gain confidence, you know, make some really big plays, score just a ton of touchdowns and now everybody's paying attention and people are saying including Aaron Rodgers this guy has a very bright future uh, on this team in this league and I really think that Dubs can follow a similar path and be successful and you know what better time to come back than when the Packers desperately need, you know, another spark and another playmaker to hopefully go on a run. So this is really exciting. I don't think that it could come at a better time. Yeah, I'll get into it later uh, with, with with one of the questions we've got. So I won't I won't go too far down the road now. But yeah, I'm, I mean, now I can hear this no this this news and not be just hyped about what this means. Like you said, not just for this year. And if you want to hold out hope for the playoffs, uh, that's that's this is obviously good news for that. And even if not, this is this is another chance for two young receivers to grow together, show what they've got for the last uh, four weeks of the season here. And I'm. I could not be happier to see, especially with with Watson's ascendance, what Dobbs can do as a complimentary piece, and then with Torrey on the field as well. It's it's a very exciting. So, so yeah, we're we're hype, man. Very excited to see that news. The other kind of lesser news, a couple of releases. I've not seen corresponding moves, but uh, D.D. Westbrook was released. Uh, we, I think he they brought him on a couple of weeks ago, and I was kind of excited about him from returner standpoint, which obviously was not used for, and now he's out the door. And also the trash can full of dirt, Jack Heflin has been released as well. I know he was kind of a lot of people's favorites, uh, played well in the preseason, played in Wisconsin. I liked him as, as far as what he brought on the D line. And I was excited to see him in a game. He never made it that far. So Heflin has been shown the door and that, that sucks. Uh, I, you know, if he hasn't seen the field now, he probably wasn't going to in green Bay. So move on, uh, maybe see the field somewhere else. But I know I, as well as some other people had some, not high hopes, but I'd say reasonable expectations for what he could bring. So, uh, Sarah, any thoughts on on the Westbrook and Heflin news? No, I think you covered it. I mean, Heflin, it's it's sad, but at this point, it's not you know, super shocking. And then with Westbrook, it's just you know we talked about it the other a couple weeks ago that um, yeah could be a guy that comes in and then leaves pretty quickly, and it seems like that was just the case. Yeah. 
Yeah, all right, that's. I mean, it's pretty light today. Uh, you know, with with uh, Monday, I think the uh, the the injury report, which you usually don't get anyway, is pushed out even a little bit more. Coming back from the bye, not really a whole lot of news. Uh, so we are done with that portion of it. We're going to move on to the excitement that is Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee. Sarah, I did not get a chance to watch. It seemed like a wild one today. So uh, give us give us give us some of the highlights. What are some of the the thoughts on love and death and afterlife and all that? All the good stuff, Sarah. Yeah, this episode I would say it had a little bit of everything. Um, it was a bit all over the place, but still got some good insights about you know what bye week was like for Rogers and the Packers, some Christmas plans, and you know other things that he is uh, passionate about. So he said the bye week was quote unquote refreshing. Um, You know, he talked about how he's feeling. He said the thumb is a lot better. The ribs are better. He was finally able to get some sleep. So I'm sure, you know, it's obviously painful to sleep on your side or lay in certain positions if uh, your ribs are injured. Um, They did talk about um, how they really need help from some teams in order to go on a run as well. And they have to win out, but that they're really looking forward to meaningful games in December, you know, a lot can happen in a week. They never know if you, there's a surprising upset, if the Packers are able to win out. It, it can only take you know one or two weeks for momentum to swing in their favor. Um, they also talked about mortality a bit. I'm not going to get into that, but if you're interested, it was on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday this week. Um, after that discussion, they kind of switched back to football and they, you know, they talked about that Everyone felt good going into the Chicago game, and then they had a good performance, and now that good energy has, you know, it flowed into the bye week, and they're back in the building now this week. You know, obviously they don't play till Monday night, so their schedule is a bit off than what it usually is. But um, when Rogers was on the show, he said, you know, it was the first time we were kind of all back together, and just the energy continued to feel good. So love hearing that. Um, you know, he talked about possibility of going on a run. He said, we expect to win when the weather turns. Then we, you know, we go to Miami on Christmas day. So a lot of opportunity there. Um, they did talk about Baker Mayfield on Thursday night football last week. And they asked, you know, Rogers a little bit about that and, you know, how hard is it to just jump into an offense and like that and basically no time. And he said, you know, it's extremely hard and it was very impressive um, to see Baker do that and went into detail about why and how there's just terminology and plays that, you know, it's hard to figure it out in months, let alone days. And the fact that he was able to go out there and do that was um, very impressive. And obviously they they pay attention to those things as they plan for the game. Um, and then they talked about um, Devontae Adams. And um, that was really kind of the first time that they've talked about him on the show this year. Um, so Pat McAfee asked Rogers, you know, he really seems like he's putting it all together. He's continuing to shine and, you know, he looks really good um, in Vegas and asked if they still talk, you know, what's their relationship like. And Rogers said he's not surprised at all that Devonte is excelling um, because he's the best receiver in the league and that, um, you know, you can try to cover him, you can try to stop him, but you just won't. He'll always find a way to beat you. Um, and he said that they talk weekly, which was really great to hear. Um, you know, didn't really go into detail about what they talk about. I'm sure they talk about football and life, but as somebody, you know, who was a fan of both of them on the Packers for years, as many of you listening probably were too, I, I'm just, you know, personally curious. I wonder what they talk about, how those conversations go. 
Um, but it was great to hear that they still stay in touch. They also talked a little bit about, um, you know, what does Roger's future on the Pat McAfee show look like? You know, once he retires, does he still come for Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays? He says no, not every week, but that he'll come on occasionally and, you know, pay pay the, the boys a little bit of a visit. He said he would miss Ty, uh, referring to Ty Schmidt, who's a big Packers fan, too much, so he'd have to come back a little bit. Um, and then the la- the next book in the Aaron Rodgers Book Club is The Missing Element by Deborah Silverman. Rodgers said um, she's a good friend of his, and the book is about astrology, so if that's something you're interested in, maybe we're checking out. Um, but other than that, he said, you know, we'll be tuning in on Thursday and Rooting for a team we don't usually root for, a.k.a. the 49ers. They need to beat the Seahawks uh, to help the Packers out. Um, and that they'll continue to tune in over the weekend and hope things fall into their favor and that they can win out. So that was Pat McAfee. Uh, definitely a jam-packed 30 minutes this week. Yeah, sounds like a thing, sir. Um, and now we'll get into uh, the Packers. What we you know what we do every week is we, we preview the upcoming game. We look at the Packers offense. Versus the defense. We're going to look at Packers offense versus Rams defense. Uh, Sarah, you just talked for a little bit. Uh, I guess I will go. Um, I'll give you a little break here. So Thank you. You're welcome. What I'm looking for here is, uh, you know, I, I kind of, my, my process changes from week to week. Kind of as I look at this, I usually tend to start with football outsiders. And I start to see where are some of like the big swings here or the, where could they attack? Is there, you know, weak rushing defense, good passing defense, all of that. And then kind of look at strengths versus weaknesses. So today... You know, I'm looking through the Rams. Rams are the fifth defense against the run, which which has showed up quite a bit this year. That's even without Aaron Donald. They did a really good job, I thought, uh, against the Raiders, uh, shutting down Jacobs. He had 99 yards, but it came on quite a few attempts. I think his YPA was not very good. Um, but the 23rd against the pass, and that shows up. And so I start, start digging that down a little. The Packers have not been very good as a passing offense so far this year for the most part. But if you look at what they've done over the past four weeks, say when Christian Watson has been healthy, if they played – all season, like they played the past four weeks uh, from uh, from DVOA's perspective, they'd be the number one passing offense in the league by a pretty comfortable margin. Now, taking a small sample size and saying if they played all season like this, because you can do that for a lot of teams. But I think it's worth noting because Rodgers is getting healthy and Watson is healthy, and then you've got Dobbs coming back and all of that. So passing offense for the Packers really starting to come along. No surprise to anyone who's watched them. Now, if you drill this down even further from the Rams' perspective, <laughs> against wide receiver ones, 31st in the league. Wide receiver two, 28th in the league. All other wide receivers, second. So not only are they bad against the pass, they're bad specifically against wide receivers one and two, which, hey man, listen, you got Christian Watson, you got, you know, a nice complimentary piece in Lazard, you got Dobbs coming back. And then again, you look at kind of where the run, where the run defense is, which is fifth. So I'm looking for run heavy uh, passing attack. And the Packers have a good rush, rush offense as well. They're certainly going to do that. But I think they're going to find success in this game is going to be through the air. And I also, for the last thing here, I drilled into kind of what do the Rams like to run uh, from a defensive perspective. They run a lot of single high stuff. Like over 60% of their defensive looks are single high. Either they cover three, cover man free, cover one, whatever. How do you beat that? 
well, you beat it with big crossers across the field and you beat that with slot fades. Watson's been killing teams with those crossers. So if they can get Dobbs going in this game, you can mix and match some of that speed. We see some of that with Toure. If you're able to get those three guys on the field at the same time, you get some of those big crossers, you mix up the releases, you got guys coming behind it. So you're kind of getting the defense vacating the middle of the field. You attack that, you sit in the middle of the field, you hit those big crossers, those slot fades are open. I've said this earlier before this year as well, but now the offense is actually looking better. That against single high, that's kind of how the Packers want to operate. That's how Rodgers would like to operate because that's how he's found most of his success throughout the years. Not that he's bad against cover two, but whatever. That's that's one of the narratives he's bad against cover two. He's not. It just it, it kind of tampens everything down. It does that for every quarterback. He wants to play against single high. They play a lot of single high, and they now have the pieces that it seems like to be successful against single high. So, I'm looking for if they're going to be successful in this game. And it's always tricky. It's December. It's in Lambeau Field. The, 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 even with young receivers, with them playing well, it's always a little dicey. But it could be not necessarily bombs away uh, because we've seen that before with all those slot fades. It just becomes bombs away and people say well, it's hero ball and all of that. But with the luck they've had so far with Christian Watson on a lot of these deep crossing routes and the speed he's able to utilize to run away from guys, settle down in zones if he needs to, I think this this. <laughs> I don't want to get too excited here, but the way the Rams defense has been playing versus the way the Packers offense has been attacking, it seems like the offense can have a very, very good day uh, through the air on a lot of those crossing routes. So that's what I'm going to be looking for uh, this week. Sarah, what are you looking for? Yeah, for me, I'm kind of, I mean, obviously looking at the passing game and how that's going to work too, but um, shifting gears a little bit, I'm, I'm curious to see how the run game um, looks against the Rams. You know, I always, one of the first things I do when I'm prepping for our podcast each week and I'd figure out, you know, what I'm looking for is looking at the Packers defense and some of the numbers that they're putting up and then looking at the Rams defense because I always, or whoever they're playing defense, because I always think that's a good metric because we watch the Packers games every week. So you can see, you know, where they struggle, where they're giving up a lot of yards. And it's kind of easier, at least for me to make some comparisons and and you know educated guesses on what might be uh, an advantage for the Packers beyond just you know what we already know Um, and so for the Rams they're giving up an average of 228.6 rush yards per game Um, and for reference the Packers are who many people including myself complain about a lot having a terrible run defense um, are only giving up 192.9 yards per game. So that's a bit of a significant difference. And, it, you know, for me, it, it shows that it's an area of weakness and that the Rams can definitely – or that the Packers can definitely attack that for the Rams. Um, so specifically, I want to see what A.J. Dillon does. You know, we've talked about him the last couple of weeks and how, you know, this time of the year he always emerges. He comes through for um, the Packers when they need him to. And I think he has an opportunity to have a really, really big game this week. Um, and I'm going to say um, that my bold prediction is that AJ Dillon is going to score two touchdowns. Um, and that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm looking for. And I really think that the Packers can, can dominate in this area. Um, so yeah, that's what I got. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Very nice. Thank you, Sarah. Um, so that's all we got for our preview here. As we do every week, uh, we ask for questions. And as you do every week, you guys deliver. And so got some questions from Twitter. We're going to answer before we get up out of here. So Sarah, got some good ones this week. What do we got? Yeah, great questions this week. A good mix of a little bit of everything. So uh, we'll start first with Robbie. Um, they had two-part questions. So they want to know, outside of Lambo, what's the ideal setting for watching a game? Place, food, drink, company, etc.? Um, and then second part, if you could trade one starter of the same position between Green Bay and each NFC North team, what three swaps would you make? I thought this was a great question, and Dusty and I had a lot of fun figuring this out. So, Dusty, why don't you start with that part of the question we'll talk through, and then we'll hit the ideal uh, setting for a game. Yeah, so for our uh, our starters, we we kind of agreed on the first one, right? He, he mentioned Savage for Brisker, and I think we both decided that because we looked at that Bears roster of PU, man, PU. Oh, so. it's, it's tough. It's yeah. it's rough. I was gonna I was gonna try to work. I was gonna try to get EQ back in the fold, um, but I I ultimately decided against that. So yeah, Savage for Brisker went with the Bears. Um, for the Lions, a couple different ways we could go with this. Um, I went. Lazard, Alan Lazard for Amon Ross St. Brown. And the reason I did that is because, first of all, Amon Ross St. Brown is awesome. And I wanted him very badly in the draft. And the reason I wanted him was he's basically like a supercharged Alan Lazard. That man is not like he's a he's a much better athlete than Alan, Alan Lazard. Not that he's got eye popping numbers or anything like that. He's not like a pure speed guy, but he's a willing and just a nasty blocker. He's willing to do all the dirty work. And he's also a very good route runner and productive. I mean, you see some of the stuff they do with him in the red zone. So I wanted him in the draft anyway. I'm now fixing. I'm writing that wrong, and I'm I'm trading Alan Lazard for Amon Ross St. Brown, and then for the Vikings, um, it's Aaron Rodgers for Kirk Cousins, right, Sarah? That's that's. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, what I had. I'm kind of annoyed that you stole my answer. <laughs> but. Uh, this one was tricky. Um, because I, co- I really wanted Justin Jefferson, and and ultimately, you know, decided not to do that for reasons. Um. 
But I'm going to go. This is a guy of long love slash hated. Hated because he's with the Vikings. He's a very, very smart player. And and it pisses me off because he ruins a lot of fun stuff. Uh, I'm going to trade Devondre Campbell for Eric Hendricks. Uh, Eric Hendricks getting uh, getting a little up there in years. Not quite the player he used to be. But he's still one of the smarter linebackers in the league. A guy who, for a defense that has trouble sometimes knowing where to be, can get everyone lined up, knows the assignments, passes everything off well, kind of gets everyone ready, gets him in line. So for me, it's more more his mind than than his physical presence. But even then, I mean, you'll see him again. That 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 first step, not quite as quick as it used to be, but I, he'll he'll still get there because his recognition is just off the charts. So I'll go Campbell for Kendricks, and then uh, yeah, outside Lambeau ideal setting. I've talked to this before, man. It's um, I've got a good friend of mine has a deck. And we'll just go sit over there, and he's got a TV out there, and it's me, uh, two of my brothers, and then and then this this guy's house we watched over, and he's basically a brother as well. We're we're heading up to the game this week together, and so we sit out there on the deck, all of us together, eat some pizza, maybe grab some wings. He's got a, a big selection of bourbon that we'll usually sample a little bit, but even even when it's cold, man, we'll sit out there, we'll we'll bundle up. It was uh you know in the forties last week at the last uh, the Bears game, we kind of bundle up and. Watch the game outside, and it's just absolutely there's there's nothing like it. And so that's that's what I got. I think I rolled through all of those entirely too quickly, Sarah. Um, so let's let's go with you. So I went. So again, I went Brisker, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and then Eric Kendricks are the bodies I'm bringing in on mine. Marty and yeah, we agreed. You know, Brisker for Savage. We talked about that. Um, for me, for the Lions, or I'll start with the Vikings. Um, mine was a little easier for for them than the Lions. Um, and, you know, Sammy Watkins is start, is technically starting for the Packers right now. And the question was if they're, you know, with starters, which one would you trade? So I'm going to trade Watkins for Justin Jefferson. I think that's that's a no-brainer. Fair trade. Um, it's a fair trade. Yeah. No, yeah, very fair. Um, absolutely not a ripoff at all. Um, and then for the Lions – um, you know, looking, it depends on the site that you look, but um, on ESPN, which I'm looking right now, Aiden Hutchinson as, is listed in the same position as Jerron Reed. So I'm going to go ahead and do a little swap there. <laughs> uh, I think that makes sense. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with that. So that's where I stand there. Both kind of no brainers on paper for me. And as far as an ideal setting for the game, um, you know, if I'm not at the game, I kind of just like watching it at home. I like having, you know, good, some nice food in front of me and just uh, having my Packers blanket that Steve actually sent me a few years ago. Um, oh, and just, yeah. just being, you know, cuddled up and watching the game and enjoying that in the comfort of my home. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not much of an extrovert in that way, so prefer to kind of just watch it in peace and quiet, especially in years like this when they're not very good because then I just get sad and I don't have to be sad in front of other people. Um, moving on, next question is from at Yoda417. They said, hopefully I'm not too late. It's never too late. We record this podcast very late at night. Um, and they want to know which person's injuries set the offense back more this season, Roger or Rogers or Watson. Oh, for the sake of mixing it up, let's say Watson. Um, and and I mean, I, I think, I mean, the, the clear answer seems to be Rogers because, you know, he was injured and he was a two time MVP, but I do think Watson with, with the way he's able to transform this offense and the way that we kind of hoped he'd be able to, when he was drafted, um, maybe, maybe in a little more simplistic role, they ended up playing, uh, 
I, I think we're starting to see that now. And you're seeing with, because for years, the thing was they don't have speed or they at least don't have enough speed uh, across multiple positions to really open up a lot of stuff. And we've seen with Watson, like even, even if he's not catching the ball, what he's able to do, how his presence on the field impacts, how defenses can play them just makes the entire offense better. And when Watson is, is doing well, which he's been doing the past four weeks and catching balls thrown his way and scoring touchdowns. I mean, just an absolute game wrecker. So I think, uh, you know, I think Rogers injury was always going to be an issue with that thumb and the accuracy, but I think the way teams are able to compress the field against the Packers when Watson's not out there and then when Dobbs really wasn't out there and then, you know, Toure hadn't really done anything, they just don't have a lot of speed. And so they're able to compress that, take the passing game away because you can't really threaten deep and then it's harder, gets tighter underneath and then you can't really run that well because they're kind of able to stack the line and play a little play a little more at you without, without like that was a big thing is there, they have their two high safeties still, but they're compressing the field because they're bringing them down, but they're able to stop the run game because they can devote some bodies and kind of mash up the box a little bit. And so it was just really tough sledding all the way around. So I think a healthy Watson, what he gives this team, um, if he was healthy the whole year, I mean, this, I think the numbers and everything look, look way better. We feel much better about the team than, than we currently do. Yeah. I think there's an argument for both. Um, but I'm going to, you know, for the sake of fun on this podcast, I'm going to go the other way with Aaron Rodgers. Um, And I just think that although Christian Watson would have made me, if he was healthy, it would have made me feel better about the season and, you know, where the Packers are currently at. I'm not sure it would have added more um, W's in the win column. I think that Rodgers is the one that really takes this team to the next level and that gets this offense moving. And, you know, you could clearly tell uh, for a few weeks there before we learned um, details of the thumb injury that something was off. He was missing throws and, you know, guys at his age definitely drop off and they don't look as good as they get older, but to, it was significant. And um, especially compared to the last two seasons and something was just up and you can even tell as he started to feel better a little bit, how the offense has come to life a bit more. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that then he got hit in the ribs and that seems to have set him back again. But um, I do think that the answer is Rogers there, although a case could be made for Watson as well. Our next question is from Mike Kawano, and they want to know on a scale of one to amaze balls, how excited are you to see a healthy Dobbs and Watson share the field on Monday Night Football? So I'll go ahead and start with this one. Um, yeah, I would say amaze balls, Mike. Um, this is really exciting, and we kind of already talked about it a little earlier in the episode, but this is just an opportunity to see what the future of this team will look like. And, you know, if they live up to expectations, I know the expectations are high, but I think that they can absolutely do it. Then, you know, a lot of us, myself included, are going to walk away from this feeling really good about where this team is headed and their future. Um, you know, those are two great guys that you can build a team around, especially if you can keep, you know, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones around and, you know, build uh, from there. So I'm very excited about this and I think it will be electric. Dusty, what about you? Yeah. Uh, how excited am I? The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. How excited I am. Cause this is, I mean, again, we talked about this before the season. This was the big thing is if these guys can kind of come along together, what they'll be by the end of the year. I know that injuries kind of derailed this stuff, but like the speed is there and we saw, we saw what Dobbs could do in, in somewhat limited play early, and we've seen what Watson could do now. And I think their skill sets, we talk about this, complement each other really, really well, while also having speed where either one of them can threaten you. And then you throw Touré into the mix. Like, 
the whole idea on offense is to create windows and create hesitation in the defense. And, and it's, it's harder to do that if the offense is slow. When those guys are fast, you can make some more mistakes. You can, you can be a little later if you want to, because those windows are going to be open a little bit more. The hesitation is just a little bit more. What they're able to force with speed on the field is just huge. And so with Watson being the, like Watson being the fast guy and Dobbs being the possession guy, when Dobbs still has plenty of speed to burn, what they can throw at you from, from both of those guys. And then again with Toure, yeah, it's it again. It was something I wish we'd be able to see all season. If we're able to see, and both these guys can, guys can stay healthy for the next four games, and we can just just see what they have, see what they have together, and how they play off each other. Because even early in the season, when Watson was out there, he was a gimmick guy. Now they've kind of his every route is unlocked for him. Like I'm, I'm just over the moon just for this for the next four games for the excitement we're going to see the next four games. And then also. I mean, we can dream on this all off season now. Like at this point, like if they don't make the playoffs, which they likely will not, all off season it's going to be. I mean, they got if they got Watson and Dubs all year next year, man. Like we've got four games we can see we can see this, and they're going to get better. So I'm I'm over the moon, man. I'm just beyond thrilled about this. If you haven't been able to tell, this is so toxic that because that's exactly what's going to happen is that we're going to have hope, and sometimes that's the worst thing. (laughs) It's the hope that kills you, Sarah. Yes, it is. Um, next question from David Hewitt. That person sounds familiar to me. Um, and he wants to know (laughs) what's the most realistic outcome for the remainder of our season that fans won't want to hear. Most realistic, um, man. So I'm looking at, looking at what they have. So they have three home games left. They've got the Rams, obviously Monday night football. They go to Miami on Christmas to play the Dolphins who suddenly don't look quite so big and bad. Um, and, and who knows what the Tyree kill injury looks like, but you know, they just got beat this past week and look pretty ugly. And then you've got the Vikings and lions, both coming Lambeau field. You could, you could look at that and say, they go four and zero. you could look at that and say, they go one and three. Um, you could say they, they win the Rams game. Dolphins still present a tough matchup. The Vikings have been, you know, for all of their, what their 10 and three with a negative point differential, like still not really a great team, but better than the Packers have been this year. And the Lions, where the Lions are playing, realistically, I'll go, they're probably two and two, you know, like, which, which seems like might be worst case scenario because then you, maybe you win this Rams game, you get a little hope. And then the Dolphins, maybe you narrowly lose to the Dolphins. Like, well, they lost to Miami and maybe the window is still open a little bit. And you win just enough to kind of get out of, say, the top 12 pick that a lot of people are mad at uh, this time of year. So that's what I think is probably the most realistic. I'd say most realistic is, uh, you know, Packers Packers offense maybe still looks good. Defense does not look very good. And they finish two and two. And then they finish, you know, somewhere somewhere middle of the pack in, t- in terms of draft. But I think that to me that feels most realistic. I want to believe uh, that they will be, uh, they'll, you know, kind of set the world on fire these next four games. They've got a chance to go four and zero, and the offense looks amazing and things start falling into place, but it's hard to square that with the inconsistency we've seen all year so far. So I'll go, I'll go two and two. Cause I just think a lot of those inconsistencies will likely start rearing their heads again. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go two and two as well. Um, and I think they're going to beat the Rams and I think that they're going to beat them pretty I don't want to say badly, but I, I think comfortably would be the better word. Um, and they'll, you know, have control of the game and, um, you know, win by at least a touchdown or 10 points. Um, and then I think they're going to lose to the Dolphins. Um, you know, they're going to warm weather environment. They don't have the best history of playing in Florida. 
Um, and it just seems like maybe the Dolphins have a little too much for them to handle on defense or on offense, excuse me. I'm not really worried about um, the Packers offense against the Dolphins defense. I'm more worried about the Packers defense slowing down uh, the weapons that are on that uh, Dolphins team. Um, so I, I think they lose that game. I think they beat the Vikings because they're back at home um, and they're obviously going to want to avenge the week one loss. And then I think that that last week against the Lions, that they'll be out of it and all hope will be lost and they'll just kind of go out there because they have to and the Lions will probably be fighting for their lives and hopes that you know they can make something happen and the Lions will probably beat the Packers in a game that for Green Bay means not so much. So that's kind of my prediction for how things are going to go. Um, you know, being, is it something that we want to hear? No, but I think that most of us feel this way too. Um, there are not many of us that are clinging to the 11% chance that the Packers have at making the playoffs. You know, maybe I hope that I'm on freezing cold takes in a few weeks and that I'm completely wrong. Um, but I'm just not feeling it. All right, next question. It's just a quick one. It's from at JTrain33, and they want to know, thoughts on Thor, Love, and Thunder, given the gift choice? And for reference, Dusty used a gift from the movie for the tweet for our call to question. So, Dusty, what are your thoughts? I thought it ruled, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time with it. I don't think it was as good as Ragnarok, but I thought it was fun. And, and when I watched it, I was in the mood for something kind of dumb and fun, and Thor, Love, and Thunder was dumb and fun, and there were, like, screaming goats on a thing and the black and white fight scene was awesome. And there's lots of guns and roses as a fan, as a fan. Yeah, definitely not uh, Ragnarok, but I'm not sure that anything ever will be. Um, but it was fun. It made me laugh and you know, I'm never going to be upset about that. So that's my short and simple answer for that one. Um, and then our last question is two part question from our good friend, Matt Pickett. And they want to know, is Baker really a threat or is our seven-ish point spread for real? And then food, what is your favorite bakery ever? I'd say Baker's always kind of a threat and also like never kind of a threat. It just, it kind of depends because even, I mean, listen, that 98-yard drive, which, you know, aided by a very, very, I thought, ticky tech personal foul penalty off a sack that 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 kills the drive right then and there if, if that penalty is not called. Uh, you know, he, he completed some nice passes. That touchdown was beautiful. For most of the game, he looked pretty bad. He was dirting, dirting throws on out routes, which, you know, not going to kill the guy because he was there for 40, 48 hours. Uh, but still, he did not look particularly good, at least for the entire first half, and then just plays here and there. So I think Baker is a guy who, if he's if he's on, he can get streaky, and and he can play very, very well. I certainly don't anticipate that happening. I mean, his number one target was like Tutu Atwell, who I don't think had ever had that many targets in a game. And he's like 5'8", 160. Like, he's not a guy that's really going to kill you. I say that, and he's going to go for like 150 against the Packers. So I think Baker, I mean, he can get us out with his legs a little bit. He's not the most athletic guy, but he can move. They're not going to draw up design runs for him. His arm is pretty good. Um, he's not going to attack the middle of the field too much in the from inside the pocket. So you know, you've just got to cover outside, which uh, the Packers likely also will not do. We'll see about that. But I think it all just comes down to Baker. He's going to give you 
a couple turnover worthy plays. It's a matter of if you capitalize on those. And then if he just plays consistent ball, I think he can, he can play well enough to keep them in this game. If he plays, I mean, he, he, he sometimes he could just go unconscious and play a, just a ridiculous game and just absolutely put the team on his back. But I think this version of Baker, I think if he has a good game, he keeps them in it, but he's also going to give you two to three balls that you can pick off. And it's just a matter of whether you can, whether you can hang on to those and the Packers have been doing that a little more lately. So Hopefully they can do that. But yeah, I'd say not really a threat. I'd say the seven point just based on because their run game is trash, man. Their run game is trash all year. So it's basically on can the Aaron Donald, I don't think is going to play. Can Baker Mayfield pass 40 times, 35, 40 times in a game and win? Like, I I don't think so. So, uh, so the seven point win, or the seven point line, I think seems about right. Um, and then did he ask the bakery thing? What's your favorite bakery ever? I have a tough time with that, man. I go, it's just donuts. It's just donuts for me because I usually like make our own bread at home. So I go like in town, there's a couple donut places. Spalding's is a good one. Like you have to get there early or they sell out. And then North Lime is a place by my, uh, by my office that has like, you know, the, the, the maple bacon donuts and all the kind of fun stuff there. So I, I'll go with those. I'll say voodoo donuts out in Portland is a lot of fun. I just have the little, they have the little jelly man you can stab and he's got jelly that comes out of him. Uh, but I'll go Spalding or North Lime kind of depending on my mood. And for me, you know, is Baker really a threat? I, I don't think so. I don't think Baker is terrible. I know there are a lot of Baker haters out there. I wouldn't say I'm one of those. Um, you know, what I think will probably happen is maybe the first drive or two, uh, the Rams will come out on offense and they'll, they'll look pretty good and everyone will freak out and, you know, Baker's back. This is it. Baker and McVay, perfect pair. And, um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens when you come off of a big win like that momentum, you know, flows into the next week and, um, you know, well, We'll see what happens, but um, I feel that maybe after a drive or two that Baker might throw an interception or they'll fumble. You know, Dusty mentioned that the run game is is pretty ugly and non-existent, and, and so I think there'll be a turnover of some sort, and then from there the Packers will kind of take control, and um, Baker and the rest of the offense will probably be pretty quiet uh, for the rest of the game. So that's my thought, and, you know, I think he certainly could be a threat, but I'm not sure if – he's big enough of a threat to uh, really impose on the Packers, especially at Lambeau. I mean, that's, that's tough. Um, And then my favorite bakery ever. So there's a bakery that actually started uh, locally and now it's, you know, I think it's at Disney Springs and it's pretty well known even globally. Uh, It's called Gideon's Bakehouse. That's here in Orlando. They have you know, very, the way I would describe them is Instagrammable looking cookies. They're big and fluffy, but they are absolutely delicious. Um, and so, you know, when I think of a kind of a bakery, that's, you know, what I think about people line up, they get there early, right? When it opens, especially at Disney, it's become kind of a touristy uh, thing. And it's, I would describe it too, as a whole experience, you know, the inside, they decorate it, they go all out, you know, it's not just you walk in and you grab your food and go, you know, you kind of want to check it out. Um, and like I said, very yummy as well. So that's it for our questions this week. Dusty, any final thoughts? I know you'll actually be in Green Bay for the game on Monday. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, we're hyped. Yeah, we're going to drive up on drive up on Sunday, probably be around a little bit Sunday night and then uh, be up there for the game on Monday. So yeah, very excited. Went uh, this get the same group of guys. So we have we tried to go to a game every year, and then COVID hit, so we've not been to a game together in a bit. So we're excited to kind of get back up, 
do it up again and, and hit a Monday night game. So yeah, if you if you see us, say hi. Uh, we'll be be kicking around. I don't have any concrete plans, but I'll be at the game and around the area. So we're very very excited for that, and hopefully get to see uh, a night nice comfortable beat down on Monday night is what I'm hoping for. Um, but yeah, besides that, yeah, not really not really a whole lot of final thoughts. You know, like I said, I'm, I might be working on something on Cheesehead this week. That's kind of looking at. Um, the biggest gains of the year by down uh, is, is kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, so I admit that may be out today. I might not write it. It kind of depends on work's been killing me this week. So I just might not be able to do it. So we'll see there. And then lastly, just, I don't know, man, uh, rest in peace, Mike Leach. Um, I know the news has been circulating. Uh, he died uh, at the age of 61 late on Monday. If you don't know much about Mike Leach beyond the, uh, beyond the just kind of a weird eccentric guy who gives strange interviews, the history of him in football is fascinating. He came from an Idaho football background, I believe a, a, law, a law degree background. He coached with Iowa Wesleyan with Hal Mummy. And they, I mean, if you read about, if you, there's, a, there's a book called The Perfect Pass that if you've not read about is it, tremendous. It's about kind of Mummy and, and Leach's rise through the ranks and kind of what they did to build that program and how they kind of helped build the, basically build the air raid between the two of them. Uh, through going to more or less like spending time with Lavelle Edwards out at BYU and traveling to different camps and asking a thousand different questions. And like in all of this is mummy, just like we got to pass and how can we pass more when we do all this? And Leach at the time, I think was the offensive line coach and had absolutely no experience offensive line coaching. And he was just like, how far can we spread these offensive tackles? How far can we spread these guys? Because the idea that the further you spread them, that the, that split width there, the harder it is for for teams to get home because if they're, if they're lining up the pass rushing outside the tackle, if you keep pushing those tackles out, it takes longer for them to get there. And then with these long developing pass stuff, you kind of want that a little bit. So you look at what he did throughout football and how, how what him and mummy kind of built and then what Leach kind of built off of how that is infiltrated now every level of football. The passing concepts, you see stuff that mummy and Leach came up with are popularized at the very least every Sunday with the Packers, with every single team down to the college level to the high school level, like the impact that Leach had throughout football at every single level is truly remarkable. So uh, just, you know, again, I know he rubbed some people the wrong way and, and he comes, he comes off as this very kind of aloof man, but also like if you hear all these stories that come out about him, always had time for everybody. Uh, these people that were like, I walked with Mike Leach every day for two years um, just because I asked if I could. And like, he always had time for me, always had time for my kid. Uh, so just beyond the weird eccentric kind of interview guy, the, the, the person he was and the impact he had on football is just Im immeasurable. Um, and that's again, every single week throughout the country at every single level. So uh, a true, true legend pioneer uh, within the passing offense that has become so popular in football now um, and gone entirely too soon. So you know, his, I think his, what's his wife's name, Sharon, and they've been married for forever. So, I mean, thoughts out to the entire family and the people that I know that know him and all of that. So just lost a just lost a huge personality. Um, uh, just gone way too soon. So I talked for way too long about that, but rest in peace, Mike Leach. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's incredibly sad. And like you said, thoughts and prayers to everyone who was close to, to him and his family and that is feeling, you know, a really personal uh, connection and impact from this. And, you know, that, that leads me into my final thought. You know, it's the holiday season. A lot of times, you know, you're with loved ones and just, just enjoy that time. You know, you never know when it's going to be the last time or, um, you know, what life, um, what challenges life may throw at you or the people that you care about. So, you know, this holiday season, if you're spending time with family and friends, you know, I really encourage you to just make sure you tell them you love them and that you care about them because um, that's always 
you know, just important every single day, but especially right now um, when you spend so much time together and, you know, you want to try to put on a smile on your best face. So that would be my final thought this week. We'll be back next week, and hopefully after Packers win, we can hear about Dusty's experience at Lambeau. Hopefully Steve will be back too. Um, but as always, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at, at Packaday Podcast, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Callahan 4 and at Steve Perhatch. We will see you next week, and go Pack Go!